You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today, super excited to talk to Brenda Hodge on unlocking go-to-market strategy. Brenda leads all aspects of Nuance's marketing function, working to develop the go-to-market approach, building the Nuance brand and drive growth, and expanding client relationships to increase loyalty. She joined Nuance from Optum, where she most recently served as Chief Marketing Officer for the provider market segment. Brenda's career spans multinational sales and marketing leadership roles at companies such as Glowstream, Allscripts, and SAS SaaS Institute. Brenda, really excited to have you on. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate you having me. It's great. And you're not, uh, obviously, we were talking about it earlier. I'm a local Bostonian. I've been to Burlington, and I know the Nuance office. they got a big office in Burlington there. But you're, you're down in the Carolinas right now, yeah? I am in North Carolina. And before the pandemic, was uh, commuting to Boston every week. I, I, that is incredible to hear. But you were saying, what is it, a, a two-hour flight anyway? Yeah, two-hour direct flight. So for the traffic in Boston, sometimes my commute wasn't as brutal as some of the locals. So. I know. Some of the guys driving from Providence up there must have been at least two hours. That's <laughs> crazy. For sure, for sure. I love it. Well, obviously, we, we covered a little bit of it in the bio, but t- tell us a bit more about where you are today and, and explain the role in, I guess, a little more detail uh, at Nuance. Okay. Well, I'm uh, the Chief Marketing Officer at Nuance. And I work hand in hand with the sales organization and the product teams on our overall go-to-market strategy. So I know we're going to talk a lot more about what that means, but that is in essence the role. And when I think about marketing, I mean, the way I put it very simply, the role of marketing is to inspire trust in people around the world to trust us as their solutions provider. And that's, that's a big responsibility, but there's a lot that goes into that. That's not small by any means. Uh, inspiring trust is arguably, I mean, you're covering marketing, but also sales in that, right? We talk a lot on the sales and uh, of, of gaining trust of our buyers and, and really being that trusted advisor. So I can only imagine that uh, that's a that's much simpler said than, than it is actually in practice. Yeah, you are correct. <laughs> All right, beautiful. Well, uh, so what, I guess, you know, let's talk a little bit about go-to-market because this is a very hot topic. We were talking about it earlier. There's a few topics that we always love to talk to and talk about on Sunnyside Up. Go-to-market and specifically go-to-market strategy and successfully executing go-to-market strategy is one that continuously pops up and continuously people want to hear more and more about uh, so it's a, it's a major focal point. It's obviously a hot topic, near and dear to my heart as well. Um, but, but take us through your framework or, or what kind of elements or pillars 
uh, go into uh, an actual go-to-market strategy. Okay. Yeah, be glad to. And interestingly enough, I'm going to use an analogy because I tend to think of go-to-market strategy as a team sport. Um, because I think that's how it is most effective. And so if you if you think about it as a team sport, the object of the game, as already said, is to gain that trust one customer at a time. Um, and if you think about it, the, the winning game strategy is all about determining what organizations do we want to pursue, whom in the organization do we need to pursue, who's the right pursuit team to go after them, and what are they going to say when they get the opportunity to talk to them? And, and so, in, in other words, if you say it more in business terms, it's what's your market segmentation? What's your departmental targets? Who are your persona targets? What's your account segmentation? And then you have to figure out the right combination of marketing campaigns, sales coverage, channel coverage, and messaging in order to do that well, which is where you come back to the team sport. That's huge. I mean, you got to determine if you're coaching the team, first off, what what sport we're playing, who you're putting on the field. And then when you've got a, an actual shot on goal, how are you going to execute that effectively? So it's, it's um, again, this is not, you're making it sound easier than it is. I think it's, <laughs> it's way more complex. It's a much more overarching. I would agree with you. It is way more complex. <laughs> so then what, I guess, but let's expound on it then, you know, what do you find most interesting when forming the actual go-to-market strategy? You know, it's a tough one to narrow down, but I, I think what I find most interesting, because I do think at the heart of effective marketing, which is my charter, obviously, is that inspiring trust. What's most interesting is understanding the individual buyer. And I, and I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons, but you can't gain trust without understanding. And you have, to, in order to be genuine and appealing to the buyer, there's just so much you have to understand, whether it's what are their obstacles, how are they measured, um, what are their strategic imperatives. I mean, we can keep going on all the things that you'd like to know, what are their financial pressures. But I can, I can tell you for sure, like no matter how much you know about your buyer, there's always more that you could know. You, you just can never figure it all out. Um, and so I think it's just really important to do that work. And what's interesting to me about it is it's a combination of not only empathy, but analytics to do it really well. There, there's an element of psychology and empathy of really getting in the mind of the buyer, but then you also have to do the analytics with it hand in hand because you can always find one person that feels a certain way. Can you find a thousand people that feel that way? And then even if they say it's a pain point, are they going to pay a dollar for that pain point or are they going to pay $100,000 for that pain point? Like, so that's where the blend of kind of what I say, empathy and analytics comes together. That's, I mean, I love how you're pointing it, empathy plus analytics. I was just talking to uh, Rob Gilio over at, uh, the CMO over at DocuSign, and uh, we've actually got a podcast about to air with him, and he was talking a lot about uh, the overarching demand funnel that they're putting in, in place and have in place where they're really understanding, to your point, early TAM and identification of that TAM all the way post-sale down to uh, customer loyalty and retention and measuring and understanding each 
aspect of the customer journey as it relates to their product. One, are they meeting the needs of their product? And then two, what are the what are the actual signals that they're capturing to confirm or or deny that? Right. It's it's taking the analytic piece and making sense of it with potentially, obviously, that that old I don't want to call it old school marketing savvy, but it takes a a foundational understanding of your customer to be able to to actually apply those analytics. I love the empathy plus analytics. I think that's huge. Yeah, that sounds like an interesting podcast. I'll have to make sure to check out. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a very good conversation. Rob's uh, top notch. So obviously we have a whole bunch of, of marketers that listen in. What, what kind of advice do you have for them as they go about developing this go-to-market strategy that they're putting together? You know, it's not it's not as simplistic as, as these frameworks. What are the pitfalls and things like that that they might encounter? Yeah, I think my advice in a word would be alignment. And and I'm going to keep coming back to that analogy of the team sport. But because the players on the field, as you already pointed out, are a combination of marketing and sales in particular, but even your channel partners and oftentimes even your your product management people that are that are coming up with this go-to-market strategy, you've got to have alignment around what everybody's position is in what is their role in the go-to-market strategy and how are you going to define that? Like it, it always intrigues me if you think about your own teams, how many times they need to not only hear the game plan, but hear the game plan repeated. Because if you think of our jobs as leaders in an organization, I oftentimes word that as my job is to make sense of the chaos for people because there's a thousand decisions they can make in a day of how they're gonna spend their time. And if I haven't been clear enough on what the game plan is, they're not always gonna put their time in the right places. So, you know, I think that's just critically important that you get the alignment across the organization. And and to me, one of the pitfalls, interestingly enough, because you asked that, is, you know, then people will write 80 page marketing plans you know, to say, oh, here's the go-to-market strategy, which is unfortunately dead on arrival, typically. Um, so kind of my best practice is we have to be able to write the go-to-market strategy on one PowerPoint slide. And it that's really hard to do. It's kind that's of like your brutal. point about about saying, you know, marketing is is inspiring trust. Simple to say, hard to do. If you can actually get your go-to-market strategy so you can write it on a page, you've probably got alignment because everyone is very clear. This is exactly, you know, back to here's the organizations, here's the titles, here's the functions, here's the account segmentation, here's who's going after what, we don't have any channel conflict, here's where's marketing's gonna play. Like when you can write that down, you, you chances are high that you've got alignment and you've really worked through it in the organization. But I think way too many, the pitfall is, is either, over planning it so people can't understanding it or there are still a lot of organizations that just throw spaghetti at the wall see what sticks and that is their go-to-market plan like sell to anyone and everyone and just see what works but that that is very resource intensive and you know not not cost effective absolutely so transparency obviously being a really big theme that uh, keeps popping up with go-to-market um, I, I love your uh, how you put it with the one page. I'd, I'd love to see that. That's in, that's incredible. If you can define it on one PowerPoint page, 
uh, talking about short meetings, that would be that would be awesome. If we could just look <laughs> at one for the entire uh, you know presentation. The I think it was, I don't know, it was, I'm going to butcher it, but I think it was Thomas Jefferson or one of the, the founding fathers. They, they were writing a letter and he apologized in the letter. He said, if I only had more time, I would have made this letter shorter. That's and, actually Mark Twain. That is, uh, Twain. I, I use it all the time. It's there it Twain is. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all right. Beautiful. And maybe you can correctly cite it for me at some point, Brenda, because I, I keep butchering the thing and uh, I can't remember all this stuff. But I, I really love that. That's a that's an excellent, uh, excellent piece of advice. Right. It takes more time and it takes more focus, more energy to actually make something condensed and simplistic uh, and elegant from that perspective than it does to put together you know, 80 pages to, to your point. Yeah. And that, I think that same concept, it's funny that you use that quote. If my team listens to this at all, they're going to start laughing because I use that Mark Twain quote with my teams all the time when we're doing messaging work. Because the hardest part of messaging work is getting it succinct enough you know, to really articulate in a message architecture of how we're going to approach the buyers. And it always, you know, needs to start with their needs, not with what we want to sell them. If we first have to start with their needs and go from there. But it, it is absolutely true. That, that, that's when the hard work is done, when you can actually state it simply. It's, it's so difficult. And I'm going to throw something at you that we, we get quite a bit. And this is you know, blending a little bit of a topics outside of just executing successful go to market. But often, you know, the other topic that we get quite a bit is uh, leaning over the line uh, from, from marketing to sales. And I think as you were talking about alignment, one of the biggest challenges that I hear from sales and marketing professionals um, at the organizations that we bring in uh, to chat with us is, is that that ability to lean over and how, how do you gain cross-functional alignment, even just between sales and marketing? Are there any tidbits or any uh, pieces of advice that you'd have for the audience um, as to how they could gain that transparency and that, that lockstep alignment? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and I think I'm a little unusual in the answer to this question, because typically in most organizations, there is inherent tension between sales and marketing. And I, I always say root cause of it is they just work in different time frames. Marketing has to always be looking at least six months out, if not further. Sales is lo usually looking in the quarter. And the, and the two become a little a little bit at conflict. But interestingly enough, in my background, I have quite a bit of sales and marketing. So I've always approached the marketing function as the marriage of the two, mm. as the most critical piece to success. So, I mean, I meet with my sales counterparts all the time and the business leaders. We're always saying, what is the go-to-market? Again, we have to do it together, which is that alignment point I was making. It's a team sport. They're, they're part of the team. So we have to have those conversations to figure out, again, who are the best targets, both organizationally, functionally, even the right types of organizations? You know, there may be additional characteristics around who's going to have the pain point and who's not. Like, there's just so much to figure out there. So even in my organization, we do every Friday, we do sales enablement sessions just to share the latest things we're learning in the market with the sales team. And we get very good attendance, but it may be, you know, especially amidst COVID, like the market dynamics are changing so quickly, you know, just to give an extreme example in when COVID hit in the spring, we turned around 23 new offerings for the market in less than a month. 
because we serve health systems and financial services and everybody that was taking their call centers remote that had never had to do that. So a lot of it was kindness offers. We were trying to be very genuine in saying, how can we help you get your workforce from home? How can we help? So we gave away free licenses. We gave away hot meals. We designed, you know, quick hit packages to help them get remote, but it was turn on a dime. And so you have to have that coordination with sales, you know, like even two weeks ago, or it was longer than that. It was six weeks ago. We got on the phone. COVID's really spiking again. What do the hospitals need? And we learned from last time and we designed something else that we're shipping this week. So again, they're, they're a big part of the, the, um, the listening posts. If you just think of it that way, they're with customers every day. Like you never have enough information on the customer so put your heads together. Right, yeah, yeah. leverage the resources, right? Uh, just takes a little collaboration and an agreement on it. So I, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's incredible that you guys pumped that out so fast and were able to pivot. I mean, especially something so difficult as a go-to-market strategy uh, to adapt that into, I mean, that's what we're seeing though, right? The, the companies that were able to to adapt and to change, you know, Zoom video, for instance, I know they they launched it for free, right? They just gave it out um, to ensure that the the educational systems and the healthcare systems in particular were were able to um, to, to continue to operate, right? To continue to do work. So uh, those are the organizations that are really coming out of this uh, on top at the end of the day um, through that, you know, giving and that uh, that gesture. So it's really impressive. Well, thank you. I have a great team, so I can brag about them a lot. <laughs> so it's all good. Perfect. So we, we covered a lot of different pieces of, of executing a successful go-to-market strategy. What what did we miss, or are there any, any pieces that we should dive a little bit deeper into? I don't know about dive deeper. I mean, I think, I think in the current climate, it's probably worth just emphasizing again that notion of empathy. Because I think you even phrased it as old school, and that's that's a fair statement. But I think if a year ago, if you and I were having this podcast, empathy wouldn't have come up yeah, true. nearly as much. Because So I think everybody's having to return more to that notion of empathy just with all of the market conditions that are going on. Um, I think all of us are, are finding a little more of that in ourselves for a lot of different reasons. But um but I, I wouldn't underestimate it in the overall marketing effort at this point. I, th- I think it's that genuineness and that empathy is, is more important in messaging than ever before. Seems like it, it came full circle, right? I mean, it, it really went away there for a bit, in my mind at least. And, uh, you know, we got so wrapped up in, you know, driving the number or whatever it happened to be. And now uh, you're seeing more and more uh, genuine B2B conversations, more, more, more people actually helping each other out. You see it on social all the time. Uh, you know, those are the, again, those are the folks that are, are really doing well during this time is the people who are um, looking at their customers and saying, how can we help rather than uh, look at this solution, right? It's, it's, it's really partnering with them, um, which is great. I think that that's a turn in the right direction. So if we, we pull out a 2020 with, uh, with that as the positive, I think that's a good thing. I, I would agree. I would agree. More time with our immediate families and a little more empathy for everybody else. I think those are, if there's silver linings in 2020, that's the two I would come up with. So. 
it's not not bad in the least. So Brenda, you know, we always ask for on Sunnyside Up if there's a couple people that you you'd suggest or recommend uh, come on the show with us. Do you have anyone? Yeah, I got a, I got a couple of folks in mind for you. The first person I would recommend, um, lovely lady named Adele Sweetwood. Um, she was the senior vice president of global marketing at SAS Institute, and then she went to work for Splunk, um, but she wrote a book called The Analytic Marketer that's a good read. And now she's working for Forrester as a principal. So she she just, she's got a great, you know, um, analytic marketing mind. So she'd be a, a great one to chat with in general. Um, and then the other one that comes to mind is kind of in a different aspect of marketing, which is really around brand creative and content. But Lynn McMaster, um, and it's L-I-N, but Lynn McMaster is the executive director of brand and content and creative strategy at Providence St. Joe's. Um, and I had the pleasure of working with her back at Optum and she's, you know, she's just done some great things in her career, but she's just a, a, a very thoughtful and, and gifted marketer. So she'd be another one to chat with. That's excellent. Yeah. We'll definitely have to, to invite Adele and Lynn on. That, that'd be awesome. I think that's right up our alley. Um, perfect. That's great. Is the, obviously, you know, people are going to want to get in contact with you too. Um, no big surprise. I'm sure you get some, some people reaching out wanting to pick your brain, Brenda. What's the, what's the best, uh, way for them to get in contact? Is LinkedIn best or is there a better way? LinkedIn's a great way to get me. Beautiful. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on, Brenda. It was an absolute pleasure, um, to have someone such as yourself to enlighten us on go to market. Like I said, it's one that comes up quite a bit and I'm, I'm sure our viewers are going to love listening to the takes. Uh, we're going to have to have you back on if that's okay. I would love that. I appreciate <laughs> the time today. This has been fun. We'll have to get together when I'm traveling back up north again. Yeah, next next time you do the old two-hour plane commute, you let me know. <laughs> we'll, uh, right, right in Boston, so not too far. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brenda. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.